Here's what's coming up on today's show. So it's really important. It goes back to that whole idea of tax planning. Understand, you know, what's the tax implications based on your retirement income need. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Welcome into another edition of the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart from Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and myself to talk investing, finance, retirement, and common retirement planning questions about taxes is on the docket this week on the podcast. And uh, we've got some other good stuff to do as well. But Mike, welcome in, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. Halloween is approaching. So, uh, you know, getting getting all ready. Yeah. Yeah. This is our uh, later uh, October podcast. And we won't talk about the state of our, our prospective teams, uh, NFL teams, because both of us have nothing to write home about right now. So we'll just move right on past that. <laughs> we'll get, we'll yeah. get into the when next. You're look, when you're looking forward to the draft in October, there's a problem. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, you know, we might be looking at, uh, from terms of our team, we might be looking at another, another lost year. Um, but what about a lost decade? Mike, in the stock market. Could that be uh, on the horizon? So a recent blog by uh, Ben Carlson, uh, wealth of, uh, uh, A Wealth of Common Sense, excuse me, refers to that, of course, that, um, that lost decade of 2000 to 2010, where, you know, they call it the lost decade. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and what's your thoughts about the current standing of things? Yeah, anytime we, we start going through a bear market, we're definitely in a bear market now, whether you look at the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, you know, any of the major indexes, you know, they're down well over 20% or so, you know, year to date. So the, the issue there is then people start immediately, you know, kind of getting a little PTSD of, you know, <laughs> is this just like, you know, 2000, 2002, is it 2000, 2008 or 2007, 2008, the financial crisis. Right, right. And, and, and that's what we refer to as the last lost decade we had, because when we had the crash in 2000 to 2002, where the market got cut in half by over 50%, and then you had the great financial crisis, 2007 to 2009 market dropped another 50% plus, then you had actually from the year 1999 to the year 2010, you had, you had a little over a 10-year period where the markets basically had no returns. They were they basically in around 2010 were where they were you know, 10 years prior. And that's what they call the lost decade. Right. Pretty much flatline, like, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you had up, ups and downs in the years and that. But basically, if you just took a, took a big picture out, you know, forest for the trees kind of thing, all of a sudden you would notice that like, holy cow, for a decade, you know, the markets haven't gone anywhere. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, well, that, you know, I'm not concerned about that. That was just we had two bear markets of that. What's the likelihood of that happening? Well, if you just go back a few decades before, from 68, 1968 to 1982, in mm-hmm. 1968, the Dow Jones was at 1,000. In 1982, 14 years later, it was still at a thousand. You know, didn't went up, went down, but basically flat for a 14 year wow. period. So it's, yeah. it's not, yeah. So it's not that it can't happen. Now, is that what we foresee going forward? You know, of course not. And that, you know, that's just a function of do you get multiple bear markets during that same decade? You know, and then where this came from is, you know, Stanley Druckenmiller is one of the best hedge fund managers of all time. And he recently came out and said, you know what, you know, we've had, you know, hurricane behind us the last 30, 40 years, and now it's reversing, meaning like you've had tailwinds behind you. Mm -hmm. And now basically he's forecasting that, you know, we might go another decade without actually seeing any significant gains in the market. Now, you know, time will tell, but really the reality is in how you manage your money, 
the goals that you have going forward should be independent of whatever's going on specifically only in the stock market. You know, how are you saving? How are you mitigating taxes, keeping right. those low? And are you positioned for what's ahead of you, not looking through the rearview mirror and, you know, just worried about, you know, what transpired over the last year? Yeah. I mean, are you trying to go into retirement saying, well, I can only retire based on the health of the stock market? That's not a good strategy because it's all, I mean, even while you're retiring, you're going to probably see ups and downs too, right? I mean, so yeah, you got to be able to walk into it in virtually any economy because life's going to happen. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. No, absolutely. Because one of the things that you've seen is, you know, especially when you go back to that lost decade, you know, the more recent one that we had here, mm-hmm. we've had four legitimate bear markets in the first 23 years of this century. So four, you know, basically about one every four or five years. Okay. If you go back from 1977 to 1999, you only had two bear markets during that time frame. You know, so people's reference points, they, they're they more, more inclined to kind of look at what's happened more recently than, you know, actually go back and look at history a little bit more. But yeah, you're right. You need to build a plan that independent of market conditions are still going to allow you to retire when you need to, you know, and that's a function of good savings, conservative investing and tax management. Yeah. And that's called recency bias. And we all suffer from it, right? So uh, in all walks of life. So when we do that kind of thing, we all suffer from that recency bias where the most recent things are what tend to affect us. And it's it's natural. And as the housing market continues to cool, I'm sure that the conversation will turn from lost decade to being, oh, is this a repeat of the, you know, the financial crisis as well? So uh, it just kind of tends to be what we do. Plus, well, with 24-hour news cycles, they got to talk about something. So <laughs> you got to add that in there as well. But let's, let's you and I, Mike, talk about uh, most common retirement planning questions regarding taxes. Okay. It's the, at the end of the year, we're winding down. We start putting our focus a little bit more towards taxes. Now, that's tax prep. That's the annual got to do our, you know, civic duty, all that, whatever, how you want to word it kind of thing. <laughs> but we also really need to look at this thing from a tax planning, which is really going to be year over year and longer term and makes a big difference for retirees. So let's talk about a few of the common areas, what you see, some thoughts on that. Um, and I think a lot of people wonder if their strategies that they can use while they're working to you know, improve that situation into retirement. So how do you kind of respond to that first question? When people come in and they say, hey, uh, what can we be doing now, let's say in that five or seven year window before retirement that we can benefit from in retirement? Yeah. One of the big things that we do is we say, okay, is it in your best interest, meaning over your lifetime, to take a look at a micro tax view, which means this specific year, or do we want a macro tax view, which basically says, how about over, what are we going to do in taxes for the next five, 10, 20 plus years? Uh, When you approach it from that, you kind of back away from how do I save money today on taxes? If in the event, if I could show you a way, you know, when we show this in one of our workshops that, you know, how does saving income tax on $155,000 make you pay income tax on over a million dollars? And then really it's just a function of somebody that saved $5,000 a year for 30, 31 years in their 401k pre-tax, mm-hmm. you know, got that all money pre-tax. And then all of a sudden, you know, at retirement, they got a million dollars, but now they owe taxes on a million, but they only got a tax break on 155. So, you know, that's the macro view. Whereas if somebody looks at saying, how do I save taxes only this year, they might be missing the bigger picture. Okay. All right. So let's do a common question. Number one here I've got for you, tax deductions. Uh, are we going to have these in retirement the same as we do when we're working? And Mike, this is probably a product of the tax code environment that the current or whatever administration 
is going to be in, right? Because currently I would say the answer to this is probably not because of the tax law we're in now, but it doesn't mean in the future it couldn't change, correct? No, exactly. One of the big things that more recently, as far as a major tax code change was the TCJA, the Tax Cut Jobs Act. A lot of people refer to it as the Trump tax cuts right. back in 2017. And essentially, you know, not only did it lower some personal income tax brackets, you know, near term up until January of 2026, uh, but what it also did is it doubled the standard deduction for most people. And what that means is you used to write off your property taxes, your mortgage interest, your charitable, because it was above whatever the standard deduction was. Well, when they doubled it, it went from 50% of people itemizing those deductions and 50% just taking the standard deduction to over 90% taking the standard deduction. So typically, you know, when you think, you know, are you going to have as many deductions in retirement as you did later? Um, as you age, a lot of your deductions begin to phase out. You start paying off the mortgage. Normally, right. So right. Yeah. 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 In in most instances, yeah. And then, you know, maybe you had the kids, they were under 17. So you get the $3,000 tax credit. Well, at 17, that dropped to 1500 or 500. And then basically once they got on their own, hopefully out of your basement, once they, once they got on their own, then now you even lost that. So eventually all these things you used to write off as deductions, even when you could, property taxes, mortgage interest, child tax credits, educational credits, all these things start falling off. So now you don't have as many deductions later in life as what you did when you were young. I, no, that's a great point. And yeah, I mean, a lot of times we think about the deductions and the current law that we're in, as you said, sets in 26. So we could go back into a different, we could either go back to, I think it's Obama era. If they do nothing, they may do something else. Who knows? So deductions could come back into play. But I guess what you're saying is naturally that kind of stuff would, would lower anyway, you know, going into retirement. So, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be the case, you know, either way, but it always comes down to tax planning. Again, not tax prep necessarily, but tax planning to make sure we're being as efficient as possible. And Mike, I think a lot of us get stuck in this assumption that our taxes are going to be lower in retirement, right? We, we grow up hearing that, get a job, put your money in a 401k or whatever, right? Whatever vehicle. And then you'll just be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. I'm going to ask you, A, how often is that correct? And B, is that just kind of a product of just bad information, miseducation, whatever you, however you want to label that? Because it doesn't just happen naturally. Could you get there? I think yes. But if you think you're just going to wake up in retirement and naturally be there, I think that's the mistake. Yeah, I, I think the biggest mistake and, and where that came from, and a lot of CPAs still have that same kind of mindset about saving taxes today, you know, kind of like what we talked about earlier. Right. And part of it is, it says, you know, take the tax deduction today because you're going to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. Well, that's faulty thinking going back to the 80s and early 90s when tax rates were double or more where they currently are. Right. So what that was, of course, when you were in, you know, when taxes were 60, 70 percent, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, it made sense to defer because chances are in retirement, taxes are going to be lower. Well, what we're seeing now is we're at some of the lowest tax brackets in history. And the, so the reality is whether they stay the same or they increase, which is probably very likely in the near future, then you know why would you take a lower tax deduction today and potentially pay more taxes later? And what we see in our practice on the advisory side is that most people in retirement actually retire in about the same tax bracket. So if you think about it, when you're working, you know, you have a certain lifestyle built around a certain amount of income. Doesn't matter whether that's coming from your paycheck or your paychecks, but either way, you know, you need a certain amount of income because that's what you've been living on. When you retire, you're not going to live on a diminished lifestyle. You're still going to need about the same amount of money, you know, take away a little bit of taxes here and there and those kind of things, but pretty much you're going to need very much the same income you had when you were working when you were in retirement. 
But so your bills don't go down just because you're retired. So the difference is that your sources of income may change, you know, whether it's from paychecks, now it's Social Security, pension, portfolio income. But chances are you're going to be in a comparable tax bracket in retirement as you are today. Yeah, I think that's a great way of looking at it. Great point to think about. And again, it just doesn't happen naturally. I think it's got to take some tax planning for us to get where we want it to be, uh, you know, in, in our retirement. And it's a huge component of the retirement planning process is how to, you know, how efficient we can be with our taxes. So another common question, um, are all retirement accounts taxed the same, Mike? Yeah, no. In fact, not even all your income is taxed the same in retirement. And so here's a quick overview. Now for your retirement accounts, you got things like traditional IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, 457s, thrift savings plan, basically all your work retirement kind of accounts. Those are taxed as income because you've you've saved them pre-tax. So you take $1,000 out, you pay income tax on that $1,000. Now, if you've got things like Roth IRAs, those are tax-free because you've already paid the tax on those assets. They grow tax-free. You take out that 1000 out of the Roth, you don't owe any income taxes. Now, your retirement income has different tax rules too. So we talked about IRAs, 401ks, and Roths and how those are taxed. But let's say you have a pension. Well, that pension is 100% taxed as income at the federal level. So if you get a $40,000 a year pension, then it's 40000 of taxable income on your federal return. Let's say you're claiming Social Security. Depending on the other income that you have that hits your tax return, you may owe no taxes on any of your Social Security, or you may be taxed on up to 85% of your Social Security. So even not only just are your retirement accounts potentially taxed differently, but even your sources of income. And I'll give you an example for, you know, we're here right on the Illinois-Wisconsin border. So Illinois doesn't tax retirement income. So if you've got pensions, Social Security, IRA distributions, 401k distributions, that kind of thing, none of that is taxable in the state of Illinois at the state level. Might be at the federal level, but not at the state level. You cross the border in Wisconsin, which a lot of clients do because property taxes are lower, cost of living is a little lower. Well, Wisconsin does tax retirement income except for your Social Security. So if you have a big private pension or you take a lot of money out of your IRAs, you're actually going to pay state income tax on that in Wisconsin, even though you wouldn't have had to pay it on Illinois. So it's really important. It goes back to that whole idea of tax planning. Understand, you know, what's the tax implications based on your retirement income need? Yeah, very good point. Is there a way, Mike? I gotta, I gotta bring this up because we hear this, we hear these ads, we see these things. Is that whole tax-free income, that whole tax-free retirement, is that possible? Is that a sales pitch? Uh, what's the, what's the takeaway there from that tax-free income in retirement? Yeah, you, you should be skeptical in a sense because a lot of times there's some product sale behind it. You know, a lot of times it has to do with life insurance and other things. But you know, that aside, there are multiple ways to get tax-free income in retirement but you have to be proactive to get it. It doesn't just happen. You know that once again, that's tax planning, proactive mm-hmm. tax planning. Right. So here's a few ways we talk about clients about getting a tax-free retirement. So for your non-retirement investments, we can use things like municipal tax-free bonds, generate tax-free interest. You can also use systematic withdrawals from a cash value life insurance policy. That's what a lot of people talk about. Get all your money in this life insurance product and just you know take loans against the, the cash value and maybe it grows itself back. You know, where we usually implement tax-free retirements for clients is if we are proactive leading up to retirement, we use a Roth conversion strategy where we basically over a period of multiple years, could be three, five, 10 years, depending on the size of the IRA. And then what we'll wind up doing is converting a little bit every single year, pay the tax on it to get most of that money into a Roth IRA. 
Why? We've paid the taxes and we know what the tax rate is today. Now, whatever that grows to later, we get to withdraw that and its earnings out completely tax-free. So let me give you an example. We talked about how Social Security can get taxed somewhere between nothing to up to 85% of the value. Let's say you need $100,000 of income in retirement, and Social Security is going to be 50000 of that. If you take out $50,000 out of your traditional IRA or 401k, no proactive tax planning or anything else, 85% of that Social Security is going to be subject to income tax, or about $42,000, plus the $50,000 is going to be tax that you're taking out of the retirement account. So you're going to pay income tax on up to $92,000. If you had a proactive plan, that Roth conversion strategy we talk about, $50,000 of Social Security, but because the other $50,000 is coming out of our Roth IRA, you still get the $100,000 of income, and none of it's taxable because the tax-free Roth distribution doesn't count against the taxation of your social security. So you get the same hundred thousand of tax-free income, but you owe zero federal or state taxes hmm. compared to what I call the government's plan, which is, Hey, I'm just going to wait and take it, you know, out of these specific type of accounts with whatever rules they have, you need to be proactive with your tax planning. Yeah. I think they like to play three card money a little too much. They just shift mm-hmm. stuff around. <laughs> so uh, one more here, Mike, uh, we've seen a mass exodus this year from numerous states, typically California, right? But sometimes like Jersey or some of the states with really high tax, uh, you know, state ta- in- income tax. Any any validity, any thought to should I move to the an income tax free state, you know, Texas, Tennessee, whatever, you know, as the uh, as kind of that as that part of that strategy or planning process, my gut says if that's your only reason for moving, that's kind of silly because they're going to get you probably somewhere anyway. But is it a viable strategy? No, absolutely. And and it really is. is, It's specific to your sources of income in retirement. It's Mm -hmm. specific to the quality of life you want in retirement. So when our Illinois clients, and I'll just reference that, we have clients in 27 different states, but I'll just give you the Illinois example since that's the core of our clients. Is you know when they come up like, hey Mike, I want to move to Wisconsin, like the example I gave earlier, or you know we're going to go to Tennessee, Texas, Florida, because they don't have any state income tax. We're like, well, if it's all retirement income, Illinois doesn't either, you know. So it's all kind of relative. Okay. So really, first thing that I always say is, first and foremost, where would you like to live? You know, let's start with that because you didn't save your whole life to then just go <laughs> right. hunker down somewhere and be miserable, but you know, happy you saved an extra five hundred dollars in state income tax. Right. So one, you know, if it's side by side, okay, well now let's crunch the numbers. I could live here or I could live here. You know, what financially makes the most sense for us? But you are you are right. And we see that even with Florida all the time is that where clients say, okay, you know, I'm a snowbird or, you know, you know, should I declaim residency in one over the other or right. should I sure. move yeah. to one or the other? The thing is you may save income tax in some ways. But it also gets eaten up in other fees, you know. So, like using Florida as a great example, because you know we have a lot of clients down that way. Is mm-hmm. but guess what? Your auto insurance is nearly double what it is. Oh in yeah. Illinois. Your yeah. homeowner's insurance because of the weather is significantly higher. Uh, your sales taxes are significantly higher. So you get nickel and dimed on other stuff. So it, it, first and foremost, where would you like to live? Where would you like to you know spend the last 20, 30 years of your life because you earned it and then make mm-hmm. taxes a, a second consideration in that process. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, and boy, think about what the insurance rates are going to be now after Ian <laughs> uh, for yeah. folks. Yeah, right. Flood insurance, all that kind of stuff, right? So absolutely. A friend of mine had just recently moved down there uh, prior to Ian and had a little fender bender prior to Ian, and they were like, I cannot believe the the insurance hike, you know, rakes, uh, or rate hikes on just the car insurance alone. 
from mm-hmm. where they lived. And I was like, yeah, that's a great point. So, uh, so that's, again, some common questions to think about when it comes to taxes and retirement. Overall, at the end of the day, you want to make sure you've got a good strategy in place. And that's what Mike and his team do day in and day out, helping with all those different facets when it comes to retirement. It's right there in the title, Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. So if you need some help, stop by the website, crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on whatever podcasting platform you like. And we'll finish up this week with an email question from Marty in, uh, where is he at? Marty is in Mundelein. And he he says, Mike, I've always been an aggressive investor. I like to see my money grow. At what age am I supposed to go conservative? Uh, that would have been the end of 2021, Marty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, no, good question, Marty, because we get this all the time in that. So what we tell our client, a lot of our clients is, you know, when you've won the game, stop playing the game, right? So you don't, you don't get any extra points for racking up the score. You know, it, we, you know, we give football analogies all the time here. And we talk about, you know, our bears and lions and all those kind of things. And, and the reality is, you know, if you're up by 30 and there's three minutes left on the clock and they're out of timeouts, run the dang ball. Right. That's yeah. the way it's supposed to be. Don't just start whip, you know, whipping the ball around just because you can. So when you've won the game, stop playing the game, because just having more of something isn't a goal. So what I mean about this is, let's say, you know, as an example, you've saved a million dollars. You need around forty thousand dollars of your supplemental income, you know, above and beyond your, your Social Security and your pensions and things. And you can get that forty thousand just an in interest and dividends off of that million dollars without ever touching the million dollars. We call that eat the eggs, not the chickens. The thing on that is, if you stay aggressive, sure you can. And let's say you can make another twenty percent this year. Great, your millions a million too. Is that going to change your lifestyle? Probably not. Why? Are you going to go and buy an extra car just because the market went up? You're going to go get a second house just because the market went up? No, you're not going to change your lifestyle. And the, you know, you're going to go spend more money just because the market happened to go up. Mm-hmm. But let's say you stayed aggressive, and much like year in 2022, things roll over 20 percent. Now your millions eight hundred thousand. Is that going to make you a little bit more worried about the success you're going to have in retirement, or where that income is going to come from in retirement? The answer is yes. So once again, once you've won the game, Marty. Stop playing the game. Doesn't mean you don't have money in the market. It just means that it shouldn't be about just, you know, adding on to the scoreboard. It's about saying, okay, now that I've saved and amassed all that I have, the paychecks are going away. This money has to last me and my family for the next 20, 30 years. How do I protect it? How do I get a lifetime of income off of it? And then how do I legally pay the least amount of taxes while doing that? That's what the game's about, Marty. Well, I'm going to amend this saying, and we're going to depart with this, Mike. Uh, lions and markets and bears. Oh, my. <laughs> There you go. I agree. None of those are looking too particularly great right this minute. So as always, folks, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for picking up, uh, you know, hopefully some useful nuggets of information here on Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart, founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. Again, don't forget to stop by the website for more information or to book some time or have a conversation about your retirement questions or your retirement journey. CrystalLakeTax.com. That is CrystalLakeTax.com. Dot com, a lot of good tools, tips, and resources. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well so you can catch new episodes as they come out. Thanks for your time, my friend. We'll see you next time right here on Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.